Today on IFS Talks, we have the privilege of speaking with Eloisa Garman. Eloisa is trained in family therapy at the University of Illinois and at the Internal Family Systems Model at the Center for Self-Leadership. Eloisa has taught and supervised family therapy at two major universities in Brazil. She has 30 years of experience with individuals, couples, and families. Eloisa has also published and given several workshops in dream work at the International Association for the Study of Dream and at IFS conferences. Eloisa, thank you so much for being here with us today. We are really excited. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Thanks much, Eloisa, for joining us. What parts come up to you, Eloisa, hearing your bio? Actually, a part that comes up to me is a sense of accomplishment that I had, uh, especially for having worked in, because I did a lot of my work with the underprivileged. And so this, this part is actually associated with a sense of guilt, because I was born from a privileged family in Brazil, and which is surrounded especially at that time, with very poor people. And I feel that I really owe them something. And, and I was able to do that, you know, through my work. And also, um, there's something that was not in the bio, but the part of me that is giving me a lot of joy is that I worked with when my, my doctoral dissertation was at the squatter communities in Brazil. This is where I studied the... Um, the effects of migration on the family structure. And I was among them. And also because I, and that I worked, my master's dissertation was in an Indian reservation in Brazil. That was actually the, you know, the highlight of my life. You've shared a little bit about this, but was there something else or that you'd like to elaborate on in your personal life that, was determinant for you becoming a psychotherapist, working in the mental health profession? Yes. Uh, this was my mother. And actually, because my mother, as well as his sister, they all went through psychoanalytic therapy. And they would discuss with me the, um, you know, the psychoanalytic concepts. And that actually, what made me very curious about how, why people act in certain ways, how do they feel, think? And um, also my mother helped me. I was an avid reader and my mother helped me a lot and so made several suggestions uh, to, to read you know, literature from in foreign countries, from abroad. Anyway, and, um, and she also made me read you know, history, historical novels. It was also, you know, very much a part of it. And when did you come across with IFS and how did it land on you, in your system? Yes. Well, I, came, I came around the IFS, uh, you know, when I was getting my training in family therapy at the juvenile research at the University of Illinois in 1988. And that's where I met Dick that was at that time, a family therapist. But during that time, 
actually family therapy was really a reaction against this intrapsychic approach. And but it it was really based on the uh, on the principle that people are determined mainly by the family or social context where they came from. And so the family structure such as uh, hierarchy, boundaries, coalitions, polarizations, triangulations, etc., were the focus of treatment. And when Dick, you know, started talking about an internal family systems, the IFS, that had the same principles as the external family systems, it was the breakthrough. Actually, a therapist could now understand and work with actually the connection between the internal and external world of the clients and understand the patient's patterns of interactions within and among family members. Uh, so I had the privilege of participating in several of those meetings where he presented and discussed those, you know, his theory. I was greatly impressed with the concept of self in, in this model. Because the self is not a part of us. It's actually the core of our being. And when it's self, we feel totally energized and totally in the present. The self being not judgmental and compassionate towards all parts. And it is through self that all interventions occur. What was it about it that that um, that you liked, or you were in, intrigued, and did you have any skeptical parts, or what? What kind of hooked you about IFS? Oh yeah, um, because when he was talking about the internal family systems that have go through the same principles of the family systems, and but it's an internal system. To me, it was a, really a breakthrough. Because then I can see how I could work. My myself and other obviously therapists could work with the internal systems and with the family systems, because we're talking about the same principles, and that was a really breakthrough. And I was very impressed with the IFS model using the concept of self. Self being not a part of us, but the core of our being. When we are in self, we feel calm, which is an intense calmness. We feel energized and connected to everything. Did that resonate with something that you already knew, or did it feel... That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> yes, because I do a lot of meditation. and. I'm into the Buddhist concept also of mindfulness. And that is what self is. Because self is kind of a higher level of being, a higher level of consciousness. And that all treatment comes from that aspect of ourselves, our higher being, was to me really a breakthrough. How you can use that in therapy, to me that was amazing for me. And and as for discussing with Dick, I came up with the mountain exercise, which was, you know, how you can, it's a guided image that you go up a mountain 
and when you go to the top, you meet a being that you can then ask questions to, and it will help you in your process. It'll be your guide. It's a, a topic that hasn't been touched upon much, with especially with IFS. But I'm curious how you initially got interested in dream work to begin with. I got interested in work, dream work when I started to do rental therapy myself, the psychoanalytic approach, actually. And we went through all of my dreams or through several of my dreams. And then I, I realized how important they were and how the real aspects of ourselves that we're not aware of. And actually, the, you know, the basic assumption that parts are aspects of ourselves are manifested in dreams is in keeping with the IFS approach as well as the Jungian and humanistic existential thought. And Dick Schwartz, he stated, uh, disturbing dreams are not uncommon, as dreams are one way in which parts communicate when they cannot get through directly. And in my work, when I use dream work, and, and clients that really can work with that, that has become a turning point in therapy. Luisa, you have published a paper called A Systemic Approach to Dream Work on the newsletter of the American Family Therapy Academy. In this paper, you explain how you apply the IFS approach to dream work. So, Luisa, what's the basic differences between the IFS approach to dreams work and other approaches? The difference between the IFS approaches and the dream work and other approaches I really think it is the use of self. Other approaches do, do not do that. They work with the dream images, associations association with it. They look at the dream symbols, but they do not use the self like the IFM does. And to me, that is a major difference mm -hmm. and a very important one. You also call your approach to dreams a systemic approach. Why is that? Because I use IFS, and IFS is internal family systems. And in the dream work, in dreams, we have all, all the parts that are you know, worked with in IFS, like coalitions, polarizations, triangulations, just the same as happened in a family system. I'm, I'm sure that people tell you about their dreams all the time, knowing that you do dream work. Um, I, I can imagine that people bring you a lot. And I had a very vivid dream recently, and I was reading through your paper, A Systemic Approach to Dream Work, when you talked about the four basic steps you have when working with dreams. And I was curious about how I would take this vivid dream and apply those four basic steps, you know, if I were working with a client or even working with my own system with this dream. But could you walk us through the steps that you use so that some of our listeners could maybe access this wisdom? 
Yes, you mentioned now could you do it with your own dreams? You know, use those steps to do your own dream. I, I personally find it difficult to work with my own dream. I can't. I get stuck. So I really need somebody to help me through it. But maybe you're lucky enough to work with your own dream. <laughs> I find that we get stuck. You know, so we need somebody to help us. Now, the first step is that I ask the person to tell the dream in, in most details that they can. They can tell about what was the dialogue between the, the, the dream images, what is the surrounding areas, uh, even what's the weather outside, objects, animals that may show up there, everything that they can remember about the dream. And then we ask them questions to get all those details. This is the first thing. But the second, the second step, this is first step, the second step, you go inward and ask them then to take some time so that they can get inside the dream and come up with an image, the most outstanding image that comes up to them. Then in the third step, you do therapy as you do with the IFS. You start working with that part. And you ask that part, what does it want from, from the dreamer? Kind of reactions that the person has to that part. And so you go with them. What do they want for the client? What are they afraid of if they weren't there? What are they afraid would happen if they were not there? And once you go there, then you ask also, what, how, how do they see the other parts of the dream? What do they feel towards the other parts? And what do they feel in terms of the whole dream? And after that, but always you will use self. You know, when the self is differentiated, that's when you start actually, the, you know, that whole process. And then you go to the second, the second image. Then you navigate in the dream, going from one image to another. Because this is one way that we can work polarizations between, between the dream images. And when we work for polarizations, you just ask one part what they feel towards the other one. What are their concepts? And what could the other part do that's different that would make a difference? Then you go from one part to another. And so that is one way of working polarization within the dream, the dream work. But you also have to be careful all the time to ask what the person feels towards all those dream images. Because to be sure that there would not be a part that was blended with self. And then we ask that part to step aside. And so you can continue with the work. So for example, um, if someone is having a dream that they're losing their teeth, um, would, there, would there potentially be a polarization in there or... Yeah, I'm thinking of a common dream, just to, to illustrate the steps a little bit. They're losing their teeth. Not necessarily there is uh, a polarization. Because you can go over, just work with that part. You know, that it lost, losing their teeth. 
And um, polarization is, for instance, in dreams where you're chased, let's say, by an animal, or there is somebody who wants to kill you. And that's, that's polarization. You know, the animal that wants to kill and, and, and the dreamer. Because the dreamer is also a part. Yeah, and so when you have these polarized system, and then you can work with one and not, and then the other one. You can go to, let's say, to, to the animal that wants, why do they want to kill the, the, the dreamer? And what does the dreamer feel? And, then, and that's how you work a polarization. And also then the final step, which is the fourth step, when the person finishes all the dream work, you see what parts of them was similar to the dream images and what parts of them is manifested in their interactions with others that is similar to the dream image. Eloisa, what would you say about trauma and flashbacks on dreams? Traumas are feelings or memories that we have of an event such as war or when we are physically, emotionally, or sexually abused. And the memories and sensations tend to be isolated from the system to protect the system. I, I once I worked with a client, and it was she was recurrently abused by her father. And when I asked her, "Can you please tell me what happened?" and then she said, "I, I don't know. I was asleep, and it was literally asleep. She has no memories of what happened, and this is what happens in the system because those parts are separated, so that." to protect the systems because we cannot cope with that trauma. However, it, it's isolated from consciousness, but those memories want to come forward. They want to tell their stories. They want to be heard. And so they come in forms of dreams and flashbacks. And this is when the therapist, with the help of self, have to be totally present to that part, whether the part is heard, and then help them to unburden those, the pain that are you know, associated to the trauma. So it sounds like the dreams, when you know how to work with them as you do, really can give you access to unburdening past traumas that get locked away. Yes, and this is not an easy uh, process. Sometimes it takes several sessions to go there. And you also have to work with the parts that, the reaction of parts that are listening to the story of that trauma. And then you have not only to work with the trauma, but with the, the, the reaction of the other parts that were protecting that event to coming from consciousness. And how do you approach dreams where dead ancestors show up? Actually, I do believe that ancestors can come and communicate with us. And when it shows up in dreams, 
I will have the person ask that figure, you know, that visitation to say, who are you? How do you feel? What do you have to say? What do you want to communicate? And also, you know, to, to check your reactions against it and, and, and kind of start dialoguing with, with, that, with your ancestor. However, sometimes parts uh, come in the form of an ancestor and yet it's not an ancestor. Uh, well, of those people who are no longer with us. And when you know the client's history and how their parts work, and you have a feeling that it's really not a visitation dream, then you have to go continue with the parts work. And what about dreams that are uh, persistent or repeating, like themes that keep coming back for someone? What, what, what does that mean and how do you work with it? Well, those dreams are important because it is when parts, there's something that they want to communicate. It's something that we need to work with. And if we don't, they keep repeating and repeating themselves until finally, hopefully, you work with them. And Eloisa, what would you say about lucid dreams? Well, I'm going to say that according to the APA, the American Psychological Association, that Lucid dream is defined as a dream in which the sleeper is aware that he or she is dreaming and may be able to influence the progress of the dream narrative. And just like in, in a non-lucid dream, in lucid dreams, you can also work with those parts that come up in the dream because in lucid dreaming we have we have realized that all our emotions feelings expectations are going to be manifested in the dream in the lucid dream so we can work with them as we do in ifs but the, the nice thing about lucid dreaming is actually is that sometimes you can ask for, for a part of you or an aspect of you that you would like to work with to manifest itself Oh, we, yeah. we can do this in lucid dreams because we are aware that we are dreaming while we're dreaming. And you can also call. Sometimes if you need guidance, you can also call the, for the presence of the higher self in order to help you and guide you. Actually, if people are interested in lucid dreamings, I highly suggest a book by Bob Wagoner. Mm -hmm. It's called Lucid Dreamings. The, the gateway to the inner self. Thank you. What about when we wake up and we we feel we have a sense of a dream, but we can barely remember it? Is there something that you can recommend to deepen our connection to the dream so that we can use it in therapy? Yes. Uh, ask the client to before they go to sleep to tell themselves, I want to remember this dream. And, and, and ask that several times. And then the person sleeps, right? And 
when they wake up, not to move, because movement erases the memory of the dream. And stay still and, and go over the dream, remembering all the parts of it, the dialogues that happened, um, the surrounding areas, the objects around, even you know the colors that may show up, all the details that the person can remember, and also how they felt when they woke up. After that, they have to write down everything that they can remember to write it down, even if it's only a fragment of the dream. And finally, to keep a dream journal. And the more you keep a dream journal, the more memory of dreams will be enhanced. And then you can go over dreams that you've had, and, you, and it's a good way to work with dreams. I want to ask you before we wrap up a, a little bit about your um, what you're planning in the future, or where you'd like to go with your work with with dreams. Or I would like to have a way to help clients. I mean, therapists, that is, to work more with dreams because most of them don't. And it's amazing how dreams are not really seen as an important part of therapy. It's an important part to ourselves. And why is that? Why is that, in your opinion? That's a good question. I think maybe, and this is my hypothesis, because our culture is so has become more materialistic. Everything that has to do with dream work or the unconscious or something that we cannot do research with or something of that nature, because even even in Cobbler, you know, in Cobbler Ross, she didn't really work with dreams so much, and so it, it's an important aspect of dreams is so important. I, I actually wrote a an article, a, a chapter of a book. It was a, a dreaming among the elderly, the aging, and the dying. Oh, you know? beautiful. It's so important to to help people go through this mm -hmm. in that particular time of their lives. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just not not done. Do you feel like it it's you know with your with the technique and the four step process that you've come up with that it's pretty accessible for trained IFS therapists to begin to shift into doing dream work? Oh yes. I think it's pretty straightforward, and it is IFS work that they're so used to doing. No, I, I think it's, yes, they can do that. And they can learn so much from that. All the parts are manifested in dreams. I mean, dreams are a manifestation of our parts. And yes, do we have to listen to them? And I think they're very helpful. Because sometimes those parts don't even come up in therapy. And manifested in dreams. I think it's an extremely rich way of doing therapy. Yeah, that seems like a really, a really good reason to begin to become fluent with dream work and as an IFS therapist. Oh yes, but any any therapist actually. I think all therapists work with dreams. It's just such an important side of us. Uh, actually, I'll just finish with. Um, Something that Buñuel, you know, the the, the well-known Spanish, uh, not cinematographer, he's... Um, 
He's a director or a director, producer of dreams. And he said, in my whole life, uh, if I could do it, I would like to spend most of my life dreaming, but I would want to remember the dreams. And what about the future for you? What, what, what do you aspire to as you continue your work? I would like to give more workshops in dreams and so that people can and work with that. And I would like to talk a lot with people who are, who are IFS therapists and to tell them about the importance of dreams. Such a joy to talk with you, Eloisa. Thank you so much. Wonderful one to talk to you. And I hope people can benefit from that. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you.